it's the only way that we could be in this part of the country right now because even for the slab of concrete that we're on, um, we're paying $800 a month for a slab of concrete and water and electric hookups. So it's just, it, it's extremely expensive. And in Texas, it was it was half the cost. So I, I, I personally think living in an RV is great. You can travel, pick up and go whenever you want, not tied down to one place. Great for podcasters. Podcast Junkies episode 197. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you're new to the show, this is the one where I get to speak to some of the most amazing and interesting folks in the world of podcasting. The majority of times, it's actual podcast hosts. And every once in a while, like this week, it's going to be someone interesting in the podcasting community. But first, in case you missed last week's episode, we had an amazing conversation with Jim Beach, host of School for Startups Radio. Jim is a bit of a contrarian when it comes to podcasting, and uh, the episode was very memorable because he mentioned a lot of things that fly in the face of what most podcasters think. The other thing that was interesting was that I had the wrong intro on the episode. (laughs) So if you did listen to it and you heard uh, the one with Gordon Firemark as the intro to the Jim Beach episode, then my apologies for that. And those are the flubs that happen when you are uh, recording podcasts. (laughs) I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So I did get a new audio recorded, a new intro for Jim, and I I got that up. So if you're listening after the fact and you want to go back and listen to it now, episode 196, then you'll hear the right intro. So Cole is interesting because I've been following Podchaser for a couple of years, and we kick off the conversation reflecting on the state of podcasting and how uh, Podchaser got started. And actually, Cole wasn't around for the beginning. His co-founder, Bradley, convinced him to join the Podchaser team. We talk a little bit about how the Slack community has helped grow Podchaser and what they're doing to actually be the IMDB of podcasts. So it's really fascinating. I love how they're partnering with other platforms, other podcasting hosts, podcast apps, and they really want to be a repository for capturing all the metadata that goes into uh, podcasts. So it's just another sign that the industry is maturing, and I'm really excited about the direction they're headed, and they, they're in the process of uh, pursuing a second round of funding as well. So we talk a little bit about the importance of data collection, and there's a really interesting case study with a podcast called The Chatty Broads, which is far and above, far beyond any other show in terms of being the number one ranking. So I was curious how that happened, and Cole breaks that, breaks that down for me um, in the episode. As always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 197. This episode is brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast is my full service done for you production company. And we've had the pleasure over the last three or four years to be working with some amazing brands and entrepreneurs starting shows. And so if you think that's something that might be a fit for you or for your company, then by all means, Uh, reach out to me at fullcast.co forward slash consult, and we'll jump on a free 10-minute conversation to see if it's a fit for you. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Cole. So Cole Raven, co-founder of Podchaser, thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, happy to be here. So normally, uh, the show started in 2014 as a way for me to have conversations with uh, interesting podcasters, but with so much interesting stuff happening in the industry, I've occasionally branched out and had conversations with people who are doing interesting things in the podcasting space. And I've been watching you guys for a couple couple of years, and I thought it was time to get a feel for what you guys are up to and a little bit of the backstory. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time. 
Yeah, for sure. We're a really transparent company. So uh, no question is is uh, forbidden here. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the, uh, the place to start is your thoughts about what's been happening in the podcasting space. Um, obviously, as a company involved in podcasting, I'm sure you're keeping a close, li- close eye with what's happening with some of these crazy valuations and investments coming in, the likes of Spotify and even Chartable raised, was able to raise a 1.5 million recently. <laughs> and, all, and all they're doing is providing podcast stats. So mm-hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on that and any discussions you've had with your co-founder? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question because we're kind of in the thick of it right now with with fundraising. Um, now that we've kind of built and released a core feature set for Podchaser, so we just came out with user profiles, which is like you'd think we would have come out with that day one, but we're, we're just now getting around to releasing user profiles on Podchaser. Um, we're we're starting to turn the corner and think more about monetization um, now that we've had kind of a growth period and have users. So in order to do that, we'll need we'll need another round of funding. So we're talking to a lot of investors right now. And there, there seems to be a, a kind of a few different groups and a few different mindsets when it comes to the world of podcasting. You have the big guys who are funding companies like like Luminary. It, it's interesting because when when you when you raise something like a hundred million dollars or more their valuation is, you know, many, many times that <laughs> it has to be um, in order to raise that much money. And if you look at just the the money being spent on like podcast advertising and kind of the cap of the market right now, the investors putting that much money into a single company have to be assuming that the podcast market is going to be 10 times or 20 times what it is today in five or 10 years in order to have an exit that makes sense um, when you're putting in that much money. So there's the camp of people like that that believe that podcasting is going to take over radio. There's going to be all these different types of ways to monetize apps and monetize podcasts. And people are going to you know, join all these different subscription models and it's going to be as big as Netflix. And you know, that's, that's kind of the pie in the sky. You know, we all kind of hope that there's more and more money and growth in podcasting, but it's really you know, unpredictable. Even though we've had consistent growth, uh, there hasn't been any subscription company that has kind of proven any sort of model like that they can they can justify um that just yet so there's that camp there's another camp that believes in podcasting and that it's going to keep growing but they're a little bit more modest about it so um you have a lot of investors who have uh put some backing behind companies like chartable and and dave and his team and then you have like the the breakers of the world and um more of the modest sized uh podcast companies that are getting some investment interest. And right behind that, you have companies like Podchaser. And we were a little bit late to the game with some of these VCs because they uh, they have competing interests in some of these more modest-sized uh, podcasting companies, um, especially ones that are focused on things like social discovery, which Podca- uh, Podchaser is heavily involved in. But that's, that's kind of our approach going into it. So, you know, we hope for the best and we hope that it keeps growing. But there are a lot of investors out there who still have no idea what a podcast is. We have to like going into the phone call, we have to explain what an RSS feed is and explain why podcasting is going to keep growing. And um, there's still a lot of lack of education on the investor side when it comes to podcasting. Can you talk a little bit about the backstory and how Podchaser was founded and what were your, your ideas were when you started? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we formed the team initially through a conversation actually on Reddit. So one of our co-founders, Bradley, posted on Reddit and asked if something like 
Uh, and IMDb for podcast existed, which is kind of an overused term, but if there's a way to sort podcasts that have a lot of episodes, like the Tim Ferriss Show, by the highest rated episodes to help you discover content. So for the shows that have 500 episodes, you don't really know where to start. You can start at episode one, you can start at the most recent episode, but maybe that maybe that's not the best representation of that podcast. So that's kind of where the idea started was a way to just kind of filter and sort through episodes and find the best newest content in podcasting and have sort of a rating system behind that or like a thumbs up, thumbs down feature similar to other um, social platforms. So uh, a few of our other other co-founders reached out to Bradley and I've been friends with him since sixth grade, which is how I came in. But they reached out and said, nothing like this exists, but but you should build it because we think that there are, there are many, many companies in podcasting kind of trying to solve discovery and, and uh, figure out how to do this sort of thing, but, but nobody's doing exactly that, and we think that it could be a great solution. So that's where that was maybe two and a half years ago now, and we went through like a six to 12-month kind of ideation phase before bootstrapping the company and building it all kind of in the evenings and weekends um, before raising any sort of money or anything like that. We ended up raising a half million dollars to continue and quit our full-time jobs and pursue it uh, about a year and a half after after forming the team. But that's that's where it started. Was the plan from the beginning for you and, and Bradley to be working on this together then? I actually came onto the team maybe 10 or 12 months after Bradley had formed that initial group with Ben and Ryan, who are our backend developer, um, CTO, and lead designer and did some front-end development in the beginning. Um, I came on about a year later to kind of help with some strategic partnerships that we formed and marketing and that sort of thing because they were so focused on the product and building kind of the, the tech that they didn't have anybody thinking about how to actually get the word out about about Podchaser. How did Bradley describe it to you when you guys first had, had the initial conversations? I'm wondering if at the time, you know, you said it was about 10 to 12 months ago, what you saw, if you had an interest in podcasting, if you saw something that, that piqued your interest in what they were doing, um, enough for you to actually join the team. Yeah. So maybe three or four years ago, I had originally introduced Bradley to podcasts and it took a lot of convincing to get him to start listening to podcasts. But once he did, he, he loved it. And so he started asking me a lot of questions about how to, how to find new shows, how to rate episodes and kind of the things we already, we already discussed. So when he went out and started asking the community these questions and formed a team, he had just thought of me because I had originally introduced him to podcasts and told him about a bunch of great shows. So he knew I was just really interested in the space and and finding content and that sort of thing. So that's where it kind of circled back to me. Those phrases like Netflix of podcasting, IMDb of podcasting get thrown around a lot. And uh, I think Luminary ended up with an egg on their face recently, as everyone noticed with calling themselves the Netflix of podcasting, because uh, I'm sure it's something that you followed, but they clearly weren't paying attention to the podcasting community because they did a lot of things wrong and a lot of things that, especially the indie podcasters, caught wind of and, and, and spread the word about pretty quickly. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are as you were watching that from the sidelines and if there was any lessons learned from that. I, I mean, definitely. You know, I I really, truly hope for the success of every company that gets into podcasting now because I, I believe that all ships will rise with the tide. I think that it, I think that it's a great thing that more money's coming into podcasting. I just think that um, they came out a little bit too bold and weren't so weren't weren't community driven and community focused enough and asking enough questions about what the community needed, which is where I think we were really successful because we we did we don't build any features even today unless it's something that is 
high demand from the community. So people are people are asking us for it and asking us about it, which is kind of where creator profiles and credits came from because uh, there's no good way to search for a podcaster and find a profile with information about their guest appearances. But that's not that's not you know that wasn't the original concept. That wasn't the original idea. It was about discovering and finding you know top rated episodes within a show, which then evolved. So I think that some of the larger companies. And not to point not to point too many fingers, but I, I, I just don't think that they're asking enough questions. I don't think that they're um, you know they they went out with with a pitch to investors and they're taking a very hard line approach with how they believe podcasting should look without being open to uh, second guessing themselves, which I think is where they ran into problems. It seems like they're, they're yeah. I mean, I get the sense that they're pretty tone deaf, especially. And it's I'm just amazed at the conversations that are happening and the um, the amount of money that's being thrown around because for them to raise a hundred million dollars, what were the stories they were telling the investors and how are they positioning themselves to, you know, to, I don't know a lot about that using luminary as an example, but it's clearly like names that no one within the podcast community that I'm involved in knew anything about. And it's just really interesting to be able to launch something. And I think they were trying to use catchphrases like Netflix, I think, to, to get investors' attention, but it's just interesting. Um, and it may be a good time for, for for companies to raise money, but I'm just wondering, to your point, how you do that without involving folks in the community. So I noticed you had started the Slack group as well, and I'm wondering if that's been helpful for you to get the feedback from the community that you talked about. Yeah, and you know, I think there's almost 600 people in our Slack community now, and a lot of a lot of the activity in that Slack channel is messaging directly to our founders. So you might not see a lot of activity like in the general channel or the the bug reports, or you might see the occasional message there, an announcement from us. But we get a lot of independent podcasters, especially who um, join that channel either from like our about page or a social media post or something, and just come in to ask questions about how they can best use Podchaser, and then also about like. Uh, just suggesting things that we could be building. I mean, we get we get that every single day. It's like, hey, have you guys thought about having an embedded player? Have, have you guys thought about you know adding transcripts to the website or all, you know all these different things that we could be building? And that makes it you know we have a thousand different directions we could go. So we struggle with that a little bit every day on what we could build and add add to the site. But also to you know go back to you know some of your comments on what these companies are telling investors too. It definitely has has to have something to do with a Netflix type model. And it's so we have Luminary, you also have Himalaya, which raised significant amount of money, you have Castbox, which it's been it's been a couple years now, but they also raised a lot of money. And I think that they're all selling the same story. They're selling the idea that people are going to subscribe to exclusive content or subscribe to podcasts in the same way that they subscribe to TV and film. Mm -hmm. And I personally just don't see it happening. I agree. There's so much great podcast content out there that's free. I mean, they would have to I was I was even asking our other co-founders this the other day. I was like, if if these subscription models offered a 99 cent plan, if they said you could pay 99 cents and get all of this exclusive content, would you do it? And this is keeping in mind like I think Guy Raz, great podcaster. Like they're getting they're getting some, you know, some big names and some people who who can definitely create awesome content. And Every single person said no. <laughs> they wouldn't pay ninety nine cents, and I'm like, that's got to tell you something. Like, like I don't know, I don't know if they did any sort of surveys or community studies, or so. I I don't know what they did or what you know what they've told themselves. But I think that that's got to be the story that they're trying to sell, and we'll we'll see if it plays out. But I'd be 
I'd be shocked if their subscription numbers or any of any of these companies' subscription numbers were where they had hoped they'd be at this point. Well, it's interesting because when you look at, I think the information that comes out from Edison Research, everyone listens, uh, reads that when it comes out because it's it gives, I mean, this for the first time this year, it's the 50% of people have actually heard of the term podcast. I think it was the, it was the first time it crossed like the 50% threshold. And then Libsyn always gives out stats. It's one of the biggest hosting companies out there. So I, I always keep tabs on what they're saying is like where people are listening to podcasts. And obviously, Apple Podcasts is still the 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 big player. And then Spotify is, is you know, quickly bringing up uh, second place. But then you see like overcast is maybe like 2.8% or something like that. And then it drops, you know, to, to the single digits. But it just tells you like, I think understanding how people are consuming it is going to be more beneficial. So, uh, you know, I, quite honestly, I, I think the the growth is is going to be in the functionality of the podcast apps because that's how, you know, people have a loyalty to apps. And I don't know if you have a favorite uh, podcast app that you listen to, to your shows on, but once you've got a habit built in, it's hard for you to, to kind of force you to change it to, to, to find another way to listen to your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I listen on Pocket Casts. Um, have for a little while, and I've switched a few times just to kind of play with different apps. But uh, I, I think that I think that there are a lot of apps out there, <laughs> and I don't. Yeah. I think that getting getting people to switch is extremely difficult. Yeah. So they have to have. I can't think of many features that would convince me to switch away from Pocket Cast just because it has all of my you know my listen history on it. It's got it's got it's just the switching cost is pretty high. So it's it's also a reason that we've kind of delayed any sort of Podchaser app or anything like that that isn't entirely you know data focused where you could search through creators and things and uh, we're we're focused more on integrations with the existing great players that are out there because we think that there there are already great podcast apps I don't know that the world needs another podcast app but what they do need is some sort of connection between them which is where we're hoping we can bring in things like credits and ratings and reviews and discussions and um, we have pretty big dreams with getting everybody to hold hands and come together especially on kind of the android side but also with some of the apple apps because we think that that's what it's going to take to compete with an apple or a spotify for the independent podcasters yeah, I'm assuming the solution that you have is obviously platform agnostic. And you did mention a player, so I'm wondering if there's some value in allowing you, no matter where you're hosting, to take advantage of whatever, maybe embedding or, or working with the hosting company that if your show is hosted on the specific site, you just indicate that. And then on, on the front end, if it's Libsyn, then you'll know that what code you need to pull in for that Libsyn show so that it shows the Libsyn player. If you're on Simplecast, it shows the Simplecast player. Um, that way, you're sort of playing nicely with all the hosts. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're actually working directly with many of them to start putting like hosting platform badges on podcast pages so that it, it just says like this podcast powered by, you know, simple, simple cast or whatever. And many of them like, like simple cast are working with us where creators can submit things like, like their credits for guest appearances directly through the RSS feed. So yeah, yeah, no. It, and it, like, if you go to a podcast page on Podchaser, Podchaser today, we have that listen on feature. So you can click that. We we obviously like it if you listen on Podchaser, but if you want to open it up in whatever app you prefer, you can click the listen on button and go there. And then we automatically detect what device you're on. So if you're on an Apple device, it's going to pull up our Apple app, um, our iOS partners. And if you're on an Android device, it's going to pull up the Android apps. We're definitely responsive in that way. And we hope to keep kind of adding more and more players in the future. 
And you recently rolled out user profiles. So part of the, the challenge, I think, is people confusing the the creator profile with the user profile. <laughs> I'm sure you've yep. <laughs> heard this a lot. Uh, is there some other steps to kind of get those integrated and and, and see there where you can link those up um, seamlessly? Yeah, we, we debated about this for a long time. And this is really kind of the first listener-focused feature that we've released up until this point. From the beginning, we've focused heavily on working with independent creators to make sure that we're building features that would be useful for them so that their Podchaser page, their podcast page, their creator profile, their episodes were all extremely shareable, easy to use. And user profiles is our our first real attempt at targeting listeners. And what I mean is a creator can have a user profile. Uh, any any listener can also have a user profile and they can add their top eight favorite podcasts. It shows their ratings, it shows their reviews, it shows their lists. Um, you'll be able to very soon uh, follow other users so you can see like if you, if I follow you and you review something, uh, that's going to show up in my activity feed and I'm going to be notified by that. If I choose over email or directly on Podchaser, I'll get a notification and it's going to say, hey, go check out this new review from your friend. Where the confusion is with creator profiles is we do have, we've got just over 4,000 creators who have created and claimed a creator profile page on Podchaser. And so when we released user profiles, obviously there there were a lot of questions on, you know, how is this different? And the difference is your user profile is your listener pre- presence, your creator profile is your creator presence. So your creator presence is going to have your guest appearances, what podcasts you host, your kind of professional picture, your professional bio, your user profile, you can have whatever picture you want. We don't moderate that necessarily, unless it's offensive, obviously, but it's, it's less of a professional presence, more of a listener presence, and you can link them up. So if you have a creator profile that you've claimed or that you've created on Podchaser and you check the this is me box and you also make a user profile on the same account, um, when you go to your user profile, it's going to have a little badge that shows it's going to say, like on mine, it says Cole Raven five podcast appearances. And you can click on that and it takes you over to my creator profile. And then we're also going to link back the other direction here soon too. So you can go back and forth easily between them, um, which is also a really cool way. If you really like a podcaster and you want to see what they're listening to, you can click into their user profile and follow them that way too. So you're not just following the podcast that they're on. You can follow the podcast that they listen to and rate and review and create lists for. So that's that's kind of the reasoning behind it. But it is it is a little bit confusing for sure. I mean, I think what you've done in terms of trying to be the IMDb of podcasting or, or or being the IMDb of podcasting, I think for the most part from what I've seen has been successful because I know there were a couple of companies that started out with that intention. I remember a couple, you know, when I, I mean, I got started in 2014, I remember being at a conference and someone mentioned to me, this is before I'd heard of Podchaser. <laughs> they were trying to do that and I thought it was really admirable. So um, I don't know if you've seen competitors come and go in, in the time that you've you've been doing this, because it seems like you guys have have picked up, you know, gotten the most traction um, and been the most successful with it. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's honestly been a, a lot of hard work because it's a really tall task because there are seven hundred thousand podcasts out there, which means there are millions and millions of credits, and so we've we've focused on the content from our from our partners who are registered on Podchaser first and make sure that they have all the tools and resources that they need to make sure that they're properly represented. But we've also had to form, you know, relationships and partnerships with all the top networks, um, with third-party data companies. We have a moderation team on the back end that manually approves literally every single credit and every single profile that gets added to Podchaser. So we're working on more of a crowdsourcing model similar to IMDB uh, and 
can't remember the other one off the top of my head. But yeah, so IMDb has like a crowdsourcing model. So if you if you submit something, uh, we'll we'll soon have it to where it'll ask other users if this information is accurate, and if it gets so much, we'll be able to verify how much mm. we trust, you know, quote unquote trust a user um, and the information that they're putting on the website. So if they continually submit credits and those continue to be verified by other users too, then we start trusting that user more and more, and their their information gets kind of put to the forefront and approved quicker. That will probably be a year in the making. But for the most part, since we started this, we haven't seen, or maybe there have been, and we just haven't heard of them, any other companies trying to collect credits in the same way we are. Yeah. There there were before, and like there was, I think, IPDB. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there That's was, right. yeah, there, were, there was a couple others. And honestly, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I, I think that the timing just wasn't right because podcasting really hit a stride like in 2014, 2015 and started to see some explosive growth. And that was right as we were kind of conceptualizing and thinking through this idea. And then when we kind of first came to the market in 2016, 2017, the timing was just right. So there's there's definitely an element of luck here, but uh, it also required, you know, fundraising and partnerships and uh, it's gonna it's gonna take more and more of that because we're gonna have to work with every single hosting platform. We're gonna have to work with most of the apps for any of this to make sense. I think uh, were you thinking about Wikipedia as the other example? Yep, that's yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your your passion for the medium? And since you're the one that introduced Bradley to podcasting, like what your recollection is of uh, early podcasting days? Yeah, so I wouldn't call myself like a like an OG podcaster by any means i was not in the game in like 2008 Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know when kind of the first surge of podcasting hit so i i don't know what that world was like i only know what the world was like 20 post 2014 whenever i kind of started to listening to podcasts and getting into it i've also never created a podcast i've never started one i've you know thought about it of course and and i've talked to so many independent podcasters about kind of the struggles that they go through with growth and marketing and and the the editing process and creation and distribution of their shows and the storytelling aspects and there's i know that there's a lot of work that goes into it and i've had been fortunate enough to learn a lot about that but for me personally it's just been uh pure entertainment and learning and i i'm just a consumer like everybody else <laughs> and so i think that 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 kind of gives me you know that that perspective on the team because there are definitely a lot of strong feelings in like the the independent podcaster community that i think we represent pretty well with being platform agnostic like you mentioned but now that we have kind of built that core feature set with creator profiles and uh, how Podchaser exists today, we've really got to switch focus a little bit and do what we wanted to do in the beginning, which was bring listeners to these independent creators. Because it means Podchaser means nothing if we're just a platform for, you know, independent podcasters to kind of show off their work to each other. <laughs> like that. There's yeah, enough yeah. there's enough Facebook groups out there already for that where you can kind of, you know, post your latest episode or whatever. But um what we really what we really want to do is help consumers and listeners discover new great content and help these independent podcasters have a fair resource to put their put their stuff out in front of people and get you know attracting new listeners in in a market that's becoming more and more competitive every single day so when you think about the the fundraising landscape and you talk about the different tiers of folks and you know people that are funding like the luminaries of the world and versus the ones that are helping out like the charitables of the world 
do you think about what what space you want to play in and the potential for what you you could do if if you did get the right amount of funding? Yeah, there there are a lot of different approaches we could take here. I think that first and foremost, we're focused on um, being kind of a, a backbone of data for the industry. So uh, if we can if we could successfully do that, which we're we've we've been successful in so far in creating the partnerships, we just have to see them to fruition with another round of funding um, because it's it's going to take a lot of work to like design how our ratings can look inside of another app or design how the credit should look or build kind of the API that goes both ways so people can through a hosting platform submit credits successfully and a lot of that a lot of the data takes work so there's a there's a big data piece to it um, that we think will be a really good indicator for uh, for investors or a potential acquirer in the content creation space to see things like, up and coming popular creators based on how many people are following them or how many people are listening to their content because we'll be collecting data cross platform which will be extremely unique to to Podchaser. Another piece of that is, you know, obviously advertising we're going to be able to offer solutions to independent podcasters to do things like market their shows to niche audiences. So if somebody types crypto in Podchaser search, you know, we could have a featured result or that sort of thing. There, there are options there. Right now, I would say we're focused almost 100% just on growth because it's going to require a lot more, like we have almost 20,000 users. It's going to require 100 times more than that <laughs> to be where we need to be. So I see us uh, not not overvaluing ourselves, not not being in the world in the in the luminary world, more along the lines of a chartable, where it's modest valuation, modest growth, and uh, we'll just be learning and growing with the space over the next couple of years. Uh, one thing you can't help notice when you go to the podcast section is the top rating for Chatty Broads. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so yep. I'm wondering if there's uh, something that they learned about the platform early on. It's so funny because um, you know a popular podcast like Joe Rogan, their listeners are probably not coming to Podchaser to consume it. But I think speaking to how it's an indie platform, can you can you talk anything about like what what happened specifically with that show and like what what was it that that they did that that other Podchaser you know folks who sign up on the platform can can learn from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that. Uh, uh, there, there's definitely a story behind that. Um, part of it I can explain. Part of it I can't, and we're still trying to figure out. Um, so the part, the part that I can't explain, uh, they, I, I noticed. I, I keep a close eye on our analytics and where our traffic's coming from and what pages are, are ranking well in Google and that sort of thing. And they ranked very high on on Google. So if you searched for Chatty Broads. Podchaser would show up, and you'd be able to go to their podcast page and listen to their show, um, which was no doing of ours. Like we we do build the website uh, with SEO in mind, but for some reason, you know, a certain number of their user, a certain percentage of their users must have found the Podchaser page useful, and we're clicking on it, and so it started ranking higher in Google. And um, when we added creator credits. That was unique information on the page. So people were searching for like uh, their hosts' names are Becca Martinez and Jess Ambrose. So when they searched for like Becca Martinez podcast, Podchaser would show up because we have that unique information. So we saw a significant amount of traffic going to their page. So when, when I see things like that in trends, I'll reach out to those podcasters and say, hey, just so you know, there's a lot of listeners going to your page. You know, I've seen a few thousand just over the last two weeks. I figured you might want to know about it so that you could maybe... Share, share share your Podchaser link. We'd, we'd be grateful for that. Or maybe do a giveaway with us if you're interested because we've seen some success. Like we partnered with uh, 
Ben Greenfield Fitness in the past to do a giveaway oh, yeah. where they asked for ratings and reviews and uh, in exchange, they gave away, like, I don't know, it was like 50, a $50 gift card or something. I can't remember. We reached out to Chatty Broads and said, hey, you know, you could do something similar. I'm sure your listeners, they seem like they're really into your show. So I think that they would um, contribute. And so the idea from the beginning was if you do this, you'll be highly ranked on some of our category pages. So like we think you'll be really high on maybe the comedy page or the, you know, society page or whatever, whatever category they they fall under. And so so they launched this giveaway and little little did I know, they they have an obsessed uh fan base <laughs> and, and a lot of listeners. And I didn't realize how big the show was. Mm. So over the course of one day, they had over a thousand reviews wow. submitted submitted to Podchaser. And so I think they honestly probably saw that and were like, wow, we we probably should have also uh, done Podchaser and iTunes at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. But that that immediately skyrocketed them to, um, you know, to be the number one rated and reviewed show on Podchaser, which which is fine because, uh, you know, we, we, we want to encourage every podcaster to go out there and ask for ratings and reviews on Podchaser so you can rank within your category or rank on our most popular podcasts. But the downside of not having enough listeners, enough podcast consumers on the platform yet and being so creator focused is that we don't, we need more listeners rating and reviewing things. And that's going to take integrations with these apps so that um, the the more popular content is is accu- accurately represented on our most popular podcast page. Because the last thing we want to do is uh, hand curate and put the same stuff in front of you that you see everywhere else on every other podcast discovery app or platform. If, or if you go to the top business shows on Apple podcasts, you know, it's the same every day of the week. Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or as Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Top Fortnite podcast, Joe Rogan. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's the goal is we just need, we need more listeners, more consumers rating and reviewing things. So I think that's going to, that's going to adjust over time. We're also over the next probably three months going to be completely revamping the layout of the website. So you're going to see, we're going to have an activity feed as kind of your new, um, your new homepage where it has activity based on everything you follow. So the podcast you follow, uh, the creators you follow, the users you follow, and then we're going to have a new discover or browse section where we're going to have some really powerful filtering based on um, our creator credits and what what creators users are following and what podcasts they're following. And we're going to start to get really granular with that data as we integrate with more and more apps and kind of trade data. So you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, I, I don't know when this when this podcast is going to air, it's now late May. So sometime I yeah. think in, in June, early June, Player FM is going to release credits on mm. on every podcast page um, within their app. And so when you click on those creators, it's going to take you to uh, Podchaser where you're going to be able to follow those creators and we're going to be collecting that data to present you with um, better information than our current podcast page which is going to tell you to listen to chatty broads <laughs> which is which is fine if you're really yeah. into the bachelor <laughs> yeah well it's, it's something to be said for like early adopters and and leveraging there's a whole venn diagram of things that happen with that show you know you, number one you gotta have great content you gotta be consistent um there seems to have been a, a good number of episodes there and have a, a loyal and, and passionate following and then um yeah, I, I think that they were able to to do all that and to take advantage of of a platform that was new and and, and just jumping on it early. 
they were. A part of it is definitely that uh, I think Becca has almost six hundred thousand Instagram followers. Okay, so that doesn't hurt. That doesn't so, hurt. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't hurt. It helps to to be a little to be a little bit of a celebrity when you get into yeah. podcasting, which is kind of a whole other topic. But yeah, they were able to leverage that audience too. <laughs> so it sounds like what the work you're doing with Player FM, it would behoove like any podcast with a decent back catalog and i'm even thinking of my show i mean this is um next couple of weeks i'll be hitting episode 200 so i've been doing it one off but now you know having with you saying that and and even for shows we're creating for clients right now i'm I'm, part of my launch my onboarding process for clients is now to make sure i set up their podchaser profile um from day one because i want to make sure that they have a presence there but it sounds like with all this connection happening with player fm there's you're just making yourself uh, available for for more discovery if uh, you're giving interested listeners an ability to dig deeper on, on, on content that they're really finding interesting. That's the whole goal. And, and it's definitely going to do things like influence search algorithms. So if somebody searches for the name of one of your guests and mm-hmm. you have a credit submitted through Podchaser that appears within that app, your episode's going to show up. But if you if you didn't add that credit, it's it's not going to show up. So that's we're really hoping that credits do boost discovery within apps. So when people are searching for names names of of individuals, they'll be able to find related episodes. It sounds like there'd be some synergies between the actual IMDb as well, because there, there's probably overlap um, of people that are on IMDb <laughs> and that yeah. have creator credits. We recently launched. I think we were chatting about the show that we launched called An Alien in Hollywood, which is about the life and times of Ronald Shusette, who is actually a co-writer, so probably has his own IMD profile. So are there other high visibility uh, creators that you've seen being added to Podchaser? Yeah, all, all sorts. And, and a lot of that is um, through us and our third-party data company, because uh, like the Conan O'Brien is probably mm-hmm. not going to come to Podchaser tomorrow and yeah. create <laughs> create his profile. Um, so we need to make sure that it, it exists. Um, so we've we've been kind of tackling that. But yeah, there's I mean, you could search for uh, almost any celebrity right now on Podchaser and they're going to have, you know, content in the in the podcasting world somewhere so I, yeah. it, that's that's definitely a thought that's a good idea we, we might be able to you know reach out to imdb and somehow scrape their information for podcast i'm sure they have you know some sort of mention of podcasts on profiles somewhere yeah. i haven't dug too deep into that but one of our advisors was actually one of the early employees at imdb and helped with their he was in charge of their growth and monetization so that's that's something that i should I should ask him about. That's a good, good point. <laughs> and that's definitely a good person to have on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about, uh, you've mentioned some of the features you're looking to add. Anything else that comes to mind when you're thinking about the future and like, you know, where you want the, um, the platform to go? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the things that we build are, are really selfish. So like, I, I personally want to see the, like the top eight favorite podcasts of of the people that I listen to, because I want to see what they're listening to. That's mm-hmm. that's why we built the feature. Nobody was asking us to build a top eight, uh, you know, <laughs> favorite podcasts on user profiles, but we did it because we thought it'd be really interesting. Um, and then we added, you know, stats for ratings and reviews, so you can see what you're ranked and that sort of thing. But um, that was that part was purely selfish. But I see, I see this in, in a few years being a social hub for everything podcasting because mm-hmm. we have all the data, or we will have all the data. Um, we're, we're adding things like discussion boards We're adding things like following, um, following your friends, following creators, following podcasts. You'll be, even be able to follow channels. So like something that I'm really into is obstacle course racing. So I do a lot of running and trail running and, and racing and that sort of thing. So we'll have a channel specifically for that. 
uh, that is curated based on things like tags and categories and and our reviews and mentions and and, all, and, cr- and creators and all sorts of things. But you'll be able to follow those channels and follow lists and follow all sorts of stuff. And so um, there'll just be constant conversation, constant activity. Um, so I see this I, th- I see this being the social hub integrated across platforms uh, and being completely agnostic. This is also something that we've had discussions with Player FM about is having some sort of platform agnostic discussion board that could be implemented across any platform. So if you go to any podcast page on Podchaser, somebody on Player FM or Radio Public or whatever app you use types in a comment about and, and starts a discussion about that episode or about that about that show. Um, it's going to show on on the Podchaser page the app that they use to submit that comment so that we have representation of all the different mm. app partners. Um, but then we can keep a discussion going across all platforms and we don't have to silo people into yeah. individual apps or individual places, um, which is, I think, one one struggle of some of the other. It, and I can't say this for certain, but I think it's a struggle of some of the other apps that have come out lately is they're relying heavily on users to switch over to their app in order for yeah. things like following other users to happen yep. or for discussions to happen over a single podcast episode. But if there was a central place for all that to be stored and distributed, I think that's, I think that's, that's the solution. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch what some of the newer players are doing, like Swoot, um, which I, I've been playing around with recently. I don't know if you've taken a look at it as well. It's it's one of the few places that I know of that you can actually comment on a specific episode for a podcast and show that podcast host some love. And then you can see the followers, which I thought it was, was pretty interesting. And Podcoin is doing something similar. So to see the faces of listeners, I think is is pretty interesting. And obviously, that's something you guys are, can do there. So I think if you can find a way to convince them to partner and figure out a way to, to you know, share a little bit of the secret sauce on, on both sides to make it easier for, for podcasters to find the people that are listening to their show. I think that's going to be pretty helpful. Yeah, we, we would love to do that. And, and that's something that we're definitely working on. So with, so I, I hung out for a little bit with Garrett um, of Swoot last year at Podcast Movement, kind of testing out the beta version of the app. And um, mm. we, we love, we love what he's doing. You know, there, there's, other apps doing some similar things, but like you said, the the comments on podcasts is unique, and we think that that's super valuable. So, with user profiles within these other apps, we would love to um, have some sort of authorization both ways, where you could sync up your user profile on Podchaser, your user profile on any of these apps, and it it uh, keeps track of things like your listen history. Mm. Um, you can rate and review on both ends. Uh, you can you can keep the discussion going on both ends. That's that's ideal. That's what we want, and that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's super powerful. This it's almost like a single sign-on authentication for uh, for logins. Which I, so if you pull that off, I think that'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions as we wrap up that I ask all my guests. Uh, the first one is, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. Something that I've changed my mind about. So (laughs) my wife and I have been, have been traveling a lot because, so she's a travel physical therapist. We move somewhere new every three months and we've been kind of exploring the country, figuring out what city we want to settle in. And we both hate, hate cold weather. Yeah. And so (laughs) we're up in Oregon right now for the, for the summer because it's beautiful and green and it's not a place we'd ever be for the winter. We were in Texas for the winter because it was nice and warm, but 
I've started to realize that that I kind of miss miss the cold weather. <laughs> and I think that snow is good sometimes. And I, I kind of want to go skiing. And I'm, I think I could be okay with a little bit of cold. So we're looking at maybe Colorado next. <laughs> That's interesting. And you mentioned Ben Greenfield. He had a recent episode where he talked to... He's got some of the most fascinating guests on his shows. And it was about the importance of the four seasons and how winter is meant for a bit of hibernation and in nature itself and re- rebirth and regrowth. And, and I think on a human level, he said there's there's something important to, to not trying to um, skip over that season. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a long one, but I think that was interesting because I'm not, I grew up in New York and um, I spent uh, a couple of months in Minneapolis in the winter and that was <laughs> <laughs> colder than I had imagined. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And then secondly, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? I think that because I'm kind of, at least since since joining Pachi, so before this, I was a GM at a, at a Sky Zone trampoline park, two, di- two different trampoline parks, and which requires a lot of like uh, uh, face-to-face with customers, high energy, um, high, highly energetic job. I went from that into sales, which is being on the phone all day, talking, talking to people all day. And in this, which I'm kind of the public public-facing partner, pl- place to go if you want to partner with Podchaser or get plugged into the community or that sort of thing. I have all that information and I can point you in the right direction. But uh, I am I am an extreme, I wouldn't call myself an extreme introvert, but <laughs> I, 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 uh, I like my alone time. Like I work all day alone in an RV and in a hundred square feet of space. And I, I, lo- I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I talk to people like, like you over the phone and as soon as we hang up, I can go take a nap because it, it's drained my energy for the whole day. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And when I ask that question, um, and it's funny, I always joke that the podcasting conferences are conferences for introverts because you know it's for, they're able to find a space where you know their their tribe is is gathering. But then I, I'm sure this is something you feel that once the con- once the conference is over, then it's really quickly back to the the confines of your your safe space. Yep. <laughs> What's interestingly enough, like wh- because of what you your previous job, what do your family and friends who knew you in this other role think of you know what's happening with you and how you're tied into this like medium now that's that's picking up a lot of buzz? Oh man, nobody gets it. Um, when people ask me what I'm doing and what Podchaser is that aren't familiar with podcasting, like my mom couldn't even explain what what Podchaser is or what we're doing. So nobody gets it. Nobody understands it. They just know that we're uh, we're a couple of hippies traveling in an RV across the country, <laughs> and they they think that we're happy, and I think that's good enough for them. <laughs> so is, is this your RV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the make and model? It's a uh, Salem. We're we're in Salem, Oregon right now. It's a Salem yeah. Forest River travel trailer. I think it's thirty three feet long, like a I don't know, maybe two hundred square feet. I don't really know. That's that's it. <laughs> we'll give them a shout out and see if they want to sponsor the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any podcaster could do it. You can live in an yeah. RV and travel. It's a really it's the only way that we could be in this part of the country right now because even for the slab of concrete that we're on, um, we're paying eight hundred dollars a month for oh a slab of concrete and water and electric hookups. So it's just, it, it's extremely expensive. And in Texas, it was it was half the cost. So I, I, I personally think living in an RV is great. You can travel, pick up and go whenever you want, not tied down to one place. Great for podcasters. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that's on the radar. Well, um, where's the best place for folks to get more information about you and about Podchaser? 
Ooh, um, uh, obviously, but, uh, we've got a good about section that has kind of details on all the different, um, things that we have for, have to offer on the website. I would definitely just encourage people if this is your first time hearing about Podchaser or if you haven't logged in in a while, log in and go to uh, click on your account image, go to my profile, your profile, where you can um, add your top eight, see anything that you've rated, reviewed, added, added a list for. You can start following other pe- people to prepare for our upcoming activity feed. But other than that, I would encourage you to join our um, community Slack where you can have direct access to all of our founders. We're all extremely responsive. We love love hearing from people in the community and what they think about what we're building, which you can find a link for also on our about page kind of toward toward the bottom. You can join our Slack channel. Well, thanks again for taking the time uh, and for what you're doing for the podcasting community. It's been fun to see from a startup perspective, a company that had a dream for, uh, for a way to improve the podcasting experience. And I'm glad you guys have maintained traction and it looks like uh, you're, you're succeeding and doing good for the community. So I appreciate that. Thanks. We hope to hope to keep it going as long as we can. <laughs> All right. Hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too. So thanks again to Cole for coming on the show. It is much appreciated when I get time to speak to people that are doing amazing things for the podcasting community. And I really think guys and gals at Podchaser is one of those companies. So I fully support their mission and I'm looking forward to engaging with them more and seeing where I could help out. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Fullcast, my production company at fullcast.co and see if we can help you launch your next podcast. Tune in next week for my conversation with Dawn Davis. She's the hostess of Desert Lady Diaries and we connected at Podcast Movement a couple of years ago and uh, she actually had a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, as a guest on her show, unbeknownst to me. So sometimes... Uh, The universe works in a weird way to connect people, and we've stayed in contact. It's a really fascinating conversation, and I love what she's doing with her podcast, so make sure you tune into that next week. If you made it this far, you're no doubt in search of the retention, world-famous retention hashtag, and this week, in honor of uh, Cole's nomadic lifestyle, we're going to make it RV Cole, so that's R-V-C-O-L-E hashtag, and you can tag uh, him at Raven underscore Cole and us at podcast underscore junkies. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you guys next week.